Hi there. You're listening to the Finnish Education Perspectives podcast. I'm Melissa Giorgio coming to you from Finland, renowned for its world-class education system and high well-being rankings. In this podcast, we have conversations about Finnish education perspectives to tantalize your brain cells and hopefully your classroom and leadership practice. I'm bringing you this podcast on behalf of EduTen, the number one math learning platform from Finland that combines Finnish educational excellence with gamification and AI. If you would like to use it in your school, look for the links below this podcast. But for now, let's dive into today's episode. My guest today is Olli Pekka Heinonen. Olli Pekka is a well-known name among international educators. He is the Director General of the International Baccalaureate Organization. He's a regular speaker at Global Educational Forums and is actively engaged with the OECD on topics related to the future of education, personalized and lifelong learning, the impact of technology and the development of educators. Before joining the International Baccalaureate, Olli Pekka served as the Director General of the Finnish National Agency for Education. His core tasks included developing education and training, early childhood education and lifelong learning, and promoting (laughs) internationalisation within the Finnish education system. For 15-odd years, Olli Pekka also held various positions in the Finnish government, including State Secretary, Minister of Education and Culture, Minister of Transport and Communications, as well as Director in the Finnish National Broadcasting Company. He holds a Master of Law from the University of Helsinki and has been awarded an Honorary Doctorate by the Faculty of Education and Psychology at the University of Uvascular, Finland. Welcome, Olli Pekka Heinonen. Thank you for being here today. Thank you very much. Pleasure being here. It's an honour to be speaking with you today because... As I said before we started this chat, you're the big cheese. So I'm really happy to have this opportunity to speak directly with you and find out all about the inner workings of the Finnish education system and then how it's been translated and transported to other parts of the world, if at all. So we'll get to that later. So there's so many things we could talk about today um, and it was hard to narrow it down, but you've had a varied career and this career, I'd imagine, in part is due to the Finnish education system. So could you tell us about your journey through the Finnish education system so far? Mm. Uh, that's a good question. And actually, my path with the Finnish education system uh, started very early for the reason that uh, <laughs> I I have lived my seven first years in a school. Oh, so okay. My, my father was, an, was a teacher. Uh, in a school, and, and and our home was part of the school building. It was on a remote area of Finland, um, a, a, a small village uh, where we lived. And, and so I would say the kind of rhythm of school um, has always been kind of part of my life. And, and I've kind of entered the classroom very, very young. So mm. in that sense, I've always felt myself very kind of somehow at home 
with schools and, and education. And of course, that's not only the, the location, but it was also the attitude of my family that um, that there was this kind of attitude that, well, tell an example that it was so that good matters were kind of respected in my family, but you could always leave the dinner table if you would have to check a word in the dictionary or look up something in a book that was allowed because the purpose was so good. And, and that kind of reflects the fact that that kind of knowing and kind of inquiry and curiosity were very highly valued. It sounds to me like your destiny was mapped out before you even came to this earth. So it's amazing and very interesting to me that you also followed that same path. So then let's fast forward to when you actually started school. You were already in the schoolhouse, so you didn't have it very far to go. Um, but how did the Finnish system work for you as a student? Or if, if it did, can you tell us anything about that? Well, it did. It did work for me. Um, I was probably a quite a shy child, so that was a kind of a um, how would I say a barrier for me to to get over was to kind of uh, kind of be more social and and kind of engage and and all that. But I would say that otherwise the kind of culture of school again. Um, was because probably because it was familiar with me. I've always had a very easy time in 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 kind of living in in, in that type of her of her culture, and and I probably was a quite a good student at school, uh, and 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 enjoyed my time there. Mm. So, would you say for you it was quite easy and quite streamlined the process? It was so. It was so. Um, the the kind of things that that kind of maybe were a bit special for me were the years because I've also had a very strong hobby of music, and that meant that I was studying at the same time that I went the last years of of the our compulsory school. And then on the secondary level, I studied also at the at the Turku um, Conservatoire, um, and I stayed at least one day a week there, and and was kind of absent from school. So it was it wasn't at those times very easy to combine a serious hobby and 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 kind of going to school. What were you doing at the conservatorium? Which instrument did you play, or did you? What was it? I'm a trumpet player. Okay. So, so that's my kind of, and they're actually um, part of the the studies. You there's the possibility to get the kind of kind of music teacher qualification or part of it, which which uh, I did during those studies. Okay. 
Oh, so you did that as well before you started law? Yeah, that's, okay. that's correct. Okay. Well, that sounds like I would dare say an idyllic school situation for you, doing what you were passionate about and, you know, having the opportunity to do that. Can you tell me if there are any ways that the system at that time didn't work for you? Um, well, maybe there was kind of something that I learned. I, I, I spent a year as an exchange student in the U.S., in, in in El Paso, Texas, and, and went to school there for a year. And the thing that I really valued in, in the school in U.S. was that um, there I learned to ask why. That, that in Finland at those times, it was still pretty much kind of teaching the what teaching the kind of content and, and, and knowing things and having skills. But really the question of what, that why things are, or, or why, that why things are the way they are, could they be different to discuss about them, to, to kind of have, have debates on, on issues. Uh, that was the thing that was at those times missing a bit from the Finnish school. Mm. But I, at the same time, I noticed that in today's situation, like the ability of, of, the, of the students that are in school today, for them to express themselves, communicate, um, share their opinions, it's so much more stronger than what we had at our time. Yeah. Stronger, yes, probably easier too. So it's a, a combination of factors, personality changes, but also, yeah, the, the path has been carved. Okay, so that's interesting that you noticed that. So when you returned to the Finnish system after spending a year in Texas, did you notice it more and want to change yourself or it was just like, oh, okay, that was interesting and I'll just keep going? Well, Do you I feel think... like you changed? Uh, I, I think it kind of it, it did change me quite a bit that that I kind of started to look at the world in a different way, not not just kind of something that it's an arena where you function, but also something that you could have an effect on. Yeah, yeah, and 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 that in that sense, it's been very valuable for me. Yeah, a place to contribute and yeah, create exactly. learning. Yeah, together. Yeah. Okay. So this is really interesting and really nice to hear about. So thank you for sharing that with us. The two main themes that I decided to focus on today are your time with the Opetus Hallitus, um, which in English is the Finnish National Agency for Education. Is that correct? Yes. Or Board of Education. And now to your present position at the International Baccalaureate. So before your current position at the International Baccalaureate, you were at the Finnish National Agency for Education for about five years. That's correct, isn't it? So could you tell us briefly, for people who don't even know what happens there, what, what's the point of the Finnish National Agency of Education and what are you trying to do there or what are they trying to do there? Mm -hmm. Well, the, the, the point of the, the agency is to develop... Uh, early childhood education, education and lifelong learning. And then the, there is the other part, the 
word that I always struggle with, the internationalization <laughs> of the Finnish society. Thank you. I'm not alone. <laughs> no, you're not, definitely. Uh, so so th- those are the kind of main tasks. Yeah. And there's a kind of, a, how would I say, um, a bit of a, of a tension in the role of the agency in that sense that it has a very strong d- tradition of being a kind of an expert agency, yeah. which means that that there's been this idea that it has those right answers to the questions, and that's the agency that kind of gives the kind of regulations and what should be done and what should not should not be done. And there's the background from the inspection function that the agency was responsible before year 91 when it was abolished in Finland. Um, and that's the kind of the expert function is still there. But then there's the other function of the development, which in today's situation is much more about kind of not having the right answers, but supporting schools to develop themselves, to increase the resiliency of the school communities to themselves solve the challenges and kind of create a healthy and resilient um, community. And in an environment that is constantly changing like ours is, um, I see that that's the only way really to kind of create a, 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 a sustainable education system that the schools themselves are strong enough. Yeah, I guess it's that whole thing of putting the responsibility back on everybody as individuals to create the environment that they want to see. And it's so it's so important in so many aspects, not just education. But it's really interesting that you point out that um, the Board of Education, while um, still the expert, is, would you say, now allowing that conversation to take place? Do you feel that it's moved towards that more? I feel that it, it has moved towards that more. Yeah. And, and actually, it's a huge change in the kind of, people working there for their uh, professional identity because there's a lot of expectations still that you once there, you should know, you should have the right answers. And then coming to say that, um, no, let's think together. Can we help you with the challenges you are having? Can we kind of together develop the better solutions and I think that's much, much more effective because mm-hmm. at the end, it's all about the fact that um, people don't want to be changed. Like teachers with high autonomy, somebody coming from outside and telling that now you must do this instead of what you've been doing. But when you kind of we are able to kind of nurture the internal motivation of develop your own work, then we're in an entirely different field. 
And it's such a great metaphor for family life, the old model where the parents knew everything and the child just listened and did whatever, and now we're moving towards this contribution as a family and discussing and and giving our children more autonomy as well because nothing tells you about authority like having a child. (laughs) You are so right there. So during this time, uh, five years, could you tell us, about any of the challenges that you might have encountered being the Director General of the Finnish National Agency for Education? Well, uh, during those years, actually, um, when I started, there was a a merger that happened. There were two different organisations that came together to one. There There was the Board of Agency... Uh, in the field of education, and then there was the organization for international uh, mobility that had been responsible of the all the international change programs, especially the European Union programs, and they came together. Okay. And then two years later, there were kind of two other entities that came to be part of the same uh, agency, which were the uh, the uh, the board responsible for the matriculation test, and then there was the national evaluation center. So there was a lot of kind of integrating and creating the cultures to work with people coming from different cultures together, and and that's never easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but, but it, uh, I think that we are in a good position there at the moment because I would say that there is a kind of a shared culture um, and no more talk about us and them coming from different corners uh, to the to one organization. So if that was your one of your biggest challenges, what would you say was the key to creating a situation where everybody came together and more cohesively? So what was the sort of solution? I know you can't speak about it it's so in depth, but what comes to mind? Well, it's it's all about kind of kind of creating the space for people to express themselves and meet each other. That that once you kind of find the ways that the experts know each other, that they they are they know kind of what others are doing and how to kind of utilize each other's skills and fields of expertise, then things start working. But once you work in a silo and you can kind of blame those there who are somehow peculiar and don't know anything about the world, uh, that's the dangerous point. And I think that's the same thing with everything that we are experiencing in our societies today. Yeah, absolutely. So it's about sort of creating that shared understanding. Yeah, wonderful. Okay, so tell us about your biggest successes at that in that agency or what were your triumphs do you think what did you leave behind and feel really proud about well i'm i'm most proud about the thing that i said about the culture and identity change the the idea of of 
um, kind of the remaining expertise, but using it in a different way. And also do it, not seeing expertise as something that is static, but as something that is kind of constantly developing. And also something that it's not kind of um, only limited to one person, but what is a kind of a shared capability that it and it develops in relationships. And that's something, of course, inside the organization. But what, of course, is the most important thing is that how we connect with the schools. Because there we come to the issue of trust, which is a phenomenon often connected to Finland. Mm. Uh, but I think we have to kind of reinvent trust in Finland also because the, the, the environment is constantly changing. So it's not kind of, there's this joke that we have in Finland that when two Finnish people get married, on their day of marriage, you tell the other that I love you. But if there are no changes in the circumstances, you don't have to repeat it. Well, and, and, I can and verify that, that joke, having married a <laughs> Finn. So, yes, go on. <laughs> so it's kind of, it's the idea of trust that it's something that stays the same. But when things change all the time, yeah. that's not true anymore. The circumstances are changing. So you need to kind of feed the trust all the time. And... That's not possible if there is no interaction. So, so you have to really kind of know what are the challenges in schools, what are they struggling with, what what's what what's kind of different, what are the needs from the teachers' side, from the school head sides, and so on. And only by connecting to that reality, this type of a national um, development agency can function well. And I think that we did a big step to that direction. Yeah, it's so lovely. And in as a teacher, as a former teacher, my main mantra was the teaching is sort of secondary to the relationships that you build because teaching to me is all about building relationships with the students and then all the rest. It's not easy, but it flows. It flows in, in, in the one direction. Okay, lovely. So I'm wary of the time, but you've now continued on your journey at the International Baccalaureate. Thank you for giving us that information about your previous life. But now you're at the International Baccalaureate. So can you explain in a nutshell uh, what is the IB? What is it? Just for people who don't have a clue, because I know plenty of Australians, for instance, are not familiar with the IB system. So. I think that's the case also in Finland, that not not, pe- not very many people really know what it's all about. But it's about educational programs which come from kind of for children three years old up to 19 year olds. Um, and um, the, the thing that IB does, it has created... Uh, during the last 50 years, um, kind of high-quality educational programs. 
which are very strongly based on the newest scientific research. And what it does, it kind of helps educators and schools to take use of those um, those programs because they require certain kind of um, kind of um, how would I say um, certain level of ex expertise when it comes to running a school or curricula or how to involve with the with the learning community, um, those requirements must be in place. And we are kind of helping schools to reach that level. And then what we are doing is also to kind of maintain the development phase of the schools to always get better on that. So that's in practice what we are doing. Okay. Can any school become an IB school or how does it work in that regard? Um, yes. Um, there, there's a process of, of becoming IB school um, where there's a kind of an accreditation process right. where we work together and, and those kind of requirements through that process must be met in order to get the the uh, accreditation and and also after that there there are kind of evaluation phases because we want to um, help the stu help the schools to keep the high level and also uh, to have the newest research um, kind of connected to their teaching and learning. So then, of course, the teachers would have to undertake some sort of different training as well? Is that exactly. That, that, that is the case. Okay. So that leads me to my next question, and that is, I guess, a, a combination of why would a school want to become an IB school and why would a parent want to send their child to an IB school? Mm -hmm. Well, um, as I said, the the kind of IB uh, programs and the kind of pedagogical thinking behind there um, has been valued very highly. It, it has been the case that uh, students graduating from IB schools um, are highly valued, for example, when looking at entry to universities. Uh, so so the, the diploma program is, is highly valued, but it's not only about that. The, the speciality in the IB program is that uh, we have been very successful in creating these kind of learning to learn, lifelong learning capabilities. Uh, so so it's, the, it's the kind of studying for life that that type of of kind of characteristics and competencies that the the ib education is known of and of course then there is the other aspect of the international mindedness which is very strong 
with IB because that's where its roots come from. It was at the first phase, it was about kind of diplomats moving around and for their children to have a have a kind of a chance to get a degree that is not bound only to kind of national restrictions. Mm. Yeah, okay. Um, so that answers my question about the teaching and learning. So would you say that uh, the IB curriculum is more of an international research-based ever-changing curriculum? Would that be a good synopsis of... I would say so. And, and and the kind of strong part with IB is that there's a huge network of educators who are doing the development work. Mm. So, so it's, of course, the people who are the employers, the, the personnel of the IB organization, where there is about 800 people of us around the world. But then there are kind of thousands and thousands of educators who are constantly part of, of our kind of workshops, our evaluation processes, our conferences, kind of now we've just opened a, a, a digital professional development channel for educators and teachers. Um, so that's the, the community is very strong and they are doing the development work. Mm. Yeah, their passion kind of drives it. <clears throat> uh, that is an unbelievable the passion that they, they, they are really committed to it. Mm. Fantastic. Um, okay, then, well, could you tell us whether anything was transplanted from your role at the Finnish uh, National Agency for Education to the IB? So, in other words, what were the best parts of the Finnish system that you're hoping to share with the world? Well. I would say that um, the the trust issue is something that I definitely want to take in, and that means the again the kind of intimacy with schools in, in developing the solutions, uh, and um, th there is kind of so much to achieve um, in, in that front when. Uh, we kind of have the possibility to pilot and experiment with kind of new ideas with a certain group of schools and learn from those and see that what are the best outcomes that we want to have in, in all IB schools and have that constant kind of development phase and working together with, with schools. And, and that's something that I, I'm try to take from, from the Finnish, Finnish system. Um, yes. Mm -hmm. And what about, um, does anything come to mind? I know you've only just started, but um, is there anything from the IB that you would like Finnish schools to have more of? Mm. The reverse of the last question I asked you. Yes. Um, I would say that in, in looking at the kind of newest curriculum decisions, for example, on the secondary education, Lukio, and, and also the, the compulsory school part, um, there, there's a lot of similar kind of parts in, in, in the thinking, the kind of transversal skills, the kind of um, 
project-based learning or career or uh, the phenomena-based when it's sometimes called that um, they are very very similar. Maybe one component which is kind of a very interesting one is the the theory of knowledge part in the IB curricula, which is all about kind of understanding the different knowledge bases and and understanding what what knowledge is and 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 kind of uh, understanding that there are kind of different uh, ways of looking at knowledge and, and also kind of different ways of categorizing knowledge. And, and, and that's something that uh, we don't really have in the Finnish system. Okay. My final question for you, because um, I think you've answered my usual final question, which is, you know, if you could make, wave a magic wand, what would you change? But I'm going to skip over that now and just ask you to leave us with your thoughts about school in the time of COVID, so the lessons from COVID. So the question is, how do you think education has changed because of COVID and what changes do you think are here to stay? You mentioned the online professional development, for example, that the IB is doing, but is there anything else? Well, I think that it has, again, kind of, um, there, there's been some lessons that we have learned, that one being the fact that when there are kind of major changes, the ones that are the most vulnerable will be the ones who suffer the most and and which means that the kind of need for for kind of special attention is so so important the other one is that uh that how different children are that that cause having read all those experiences that children and students have had that there's been kind of students who have kind of suffered a lot having to go through the remote uh, learning phase. And then there are others who have kind of flourished yes. during those weeks that they were kind of off school. And, and that kind of, I, I think that's a valuable uh, kind of an finding in, in that sense that, uh, that as kind of students are so different, uh, we should find ways to um, diversify also the way that we take those differences into consideration in our teaching and learning. That we still have a quite a kind of a rigid kind of a system where you move year after year to the same, to the next level. And you really kind of, you think that everybody moves with the same time schedule, mm. but that's not true. It, it, it's kind of it, the, the human nature, human development of, of children and, and young people doesn't function that way. Oh, so or we, adults. <laughs> or adults, exactly, exactly. Uh, mm. uh, for that reason, I think we should have more flexibility to take those special kind of needs and, and, and diversified needs into account. And at the same time, I think uh, the, the issue is so, so important that we could have more time for the 
teachers to meet, to connect with the students and, and children. Because that's at the end what it's all about. And as you said, it's it's the relationships that matter. And 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 that's that's the thing that I'm a bit worried about today, that we are not kind of creating kind of routines in schools and, and kind of extra tasks and all that that minimizes the time that um, teachers have to really meet um, and connect with the students. Mm, yeah, it's very important. Well, I think that we can leave it there, Oli Pekkahinonen. It has been an absolute honour to have you on the show today. I really appreciate you spending your precious time speaking with us today, and I'm sure our listeners got a lot out of that. I'd like to wish you a nice day, and I hope to see you, and I look forward to hearing about what happens in the IB from here on in. Thank you, and thank you so much for having this chance of being part of this podcast. Really enjoyed this discussion. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening in with us today. I hope you found something practical to use from this conversation or had a new insight to keep your brain active. If you would like to learn more about Eduten, please check us out at eduten.com. There you'll find a ton of information about this scientifically based platform that makes meaningful change in students' lives. If this podcast resonates with you, please share it and leave a positive review below. Help us spread Finnish education perspectives far and wide. Of all the things you could be doing, you're right here. So thank you. Until next time, take care and stay curious.